How's everyone doing? Um, I'll just introduce myself, just in case you don't know me. My name's Oliver, and I'm normally over at the Hurstbridge campus. Um, someone asked me this morning, did you get the wrong campus? And I said, no, but there may come a day where I will. And if it does, it's going to be very funny. But today is not that day. Um, I don't know about you, but I just really have enjoyed the service so far. I've felt so uplifted, built up. It's been wonderful to pray for one another. The music has just been wonderful to be praising the Lord together. (laughs) I was looking over at Stuart's notes this morning, and I was thinking, wow, I think he might have more notes than me. (laughs) But before I continue, I want us to still our hearts before the Lord and to come before him in prayer. And as Stuart shared, we're going to be looking at peace. Dear God, we have been declaring your praises. We have been singing glory unto your name. And Lord, inwardly, may we not cease to do that. May thanksgiving, praise and honour rise from our lives with increasing measure, Lord. May it be a sweet fragrance and offering unto your holy name, Lord. For you have done great and mighty and wondrous things, Lord. Things that many of us here have not even looked into or understood or laid hold of with our lives, Father. But like Paul, we forget what is past and we press forward to the goal which Christ Jesus has called us heavenward. And thank you, Father, that right now we are going to do this together. That right now, Lord, we're going to press forward into more and more of you and what you've done and made available for us. And Lord, from that, together, Lord, united inwardly, And through the expression of my voice right now, we say praise and glory and honour unto your name. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. There is no other Father. No one else can take that place. It is yours alone. And because of that, Lord, together we glorify your name in our midst, Father. We uplift, we extol, we magnify who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done here on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. And we thank you, Father, because this is bringing us great blessing, Father. Blessing that we can find in no other place, Lord. The source is from your eternal throne. And thank you, Lord, that you have found a way to give that to us, Lord. And today, Lord, we want to say, we receive. We receive. Amen. All right. I have a very, uh, it's probably not a very important question, but the question is this. Who's looking forward to Christmas? Yeah, I was anticipating that sort of a response. It was mixed. It was mixed. (laughs) It was mixed in looking forward to Christmas. There's many things that are coming up. You know, you might have put your trees up. You might be getting your decorations up. You might be figuring out, you know, what food you're going to be cooking. Where you're having Christmas this year. Is it this family or that family? Is it with um, your side, your wife's side? What are you going to do with your children? Planning your holiday afterwards? You're packing, preparing? All these sorts of things. And then much of our time of Christmas is a time of celebration and many good things. And it is wonderful. But what we have received from Jesus Christ and what we are celebrating at Christmas, let me tell you something. We can celebrate that and receive it every single day of the year. 
And so if you separate that out from all those preparations and things that you're doing that have come with this season, and look at Christ, and this is what we're going to be doing today, we're going to look at Christ and see what he has made available to us, and what we see when we look at Christ and we behold him, we can receive that every single day of the year, not just at Christmas. That is wonderful. And what we receive when we look at Christ, it is far greater than anything that we can receive among those traditions. And traditions are not a bad thing necessarily. They can be. But among the good traditions that we have at Christmas time, I tell you what, when you look up at the Son of God and you consider what you've received from Him, it far outstrips anything. That holiday that you might be planning, we could get everyone up here and list the holidays and think, man, this is going to be the best holiday. I tell you what, that holiday pales into insignificance when we look at Jesus Christ and we simply say, thank you, Lord, for what we have received from you. That's the truth. And that's what we're going to be delving into today. So we're looking at several themes throughout Advent. And today the theme is... All right, good. The people in front row are on board. The rest of you are going to have to catch up. So the source of peace here on earth is Jesus Christ. Here's the source of peace. I want to read to you a few passages. Um, This is from Isaiah 9, um, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It is because of the zeal of God that we have a Prince of Peace. And it is because of the zeal of God, I tell you this and I fully believe this, the increase we have just read of his government and his peace, there will be no end. I truly believe that. And today is going to be a day where there will be an increase of that government and that peace here in our midst. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. That's wonderful, isn't it? You already have anticipation for what you're going to receive. You already know what it is. It's peace. Isn't that great? Thank you, God. All right. Let me read to you from Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And this is the angels who come An angel appears to the shepherds and tells the shepherds of the birth of Jesus Christ. And then a host of angels appears. And the angels begin to say this, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is something that we have received, this peace among those with whom he is pleased. And Stuart was reminding us this morning that as Mary was highly favoured, if that, she was the mother of, God, uh, of Jesus and we are children of God, we, how much more, as the New Testament often has a refrain, how much more are we highly favoured? We are among those with whom he, we, he is pleased as the children of God and we receive this peace. Romans uh, chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've been made right in our right standing with God. What do we have? We have peace with God. How do we have it? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you look up at Jesus and you consider what you have received from him. 
We've received peace because we've been justified with, with God. That's wonderful. Do you know you have peace right now? Do you feel like it? Let's rectify this. Let's rectify this. I remember listening to a message a while back, and it was sort of on this topic, and um, I just remember, and I, I tried to have a bit of a look online, I couldn't verify all the details of this, but it was roughly to this effect, and you'll get the illustration that I'm making through this. But there was an artistic competition, and the artists had to create a piece um, that was around the topic of peace. And so all these artists, you know, poured in and they started um, creating their, their various pictures and, and um, capturing various aspects of peace. And there was, you know, some of, you know, like a, some sailboats in just an idyllic harbour with a beautiful sunset, just, you know, like the water, you could see the reflection. There were others, you know, with this sort of forest scene and there's these deers, you know, laying down in the meadows with butterflies and, you know, this bubbling brook and, and just all these beautiful artistic pictures capturing peace. But the, pri the, the um, piece that won it was a strange piece when you put it among the others. And in this um, picture, there was this huge thunderstorm. There was lightning crashing down. It was raining. Trees were being blown around in the wind. There was, um, it was sort of like flood as well because of the amount of rain. So there was just this water rushing over the rocks. And you're sort of looking at this and you're like, where is the peace? <laughs> did, they, did they put in for the wrong competition? Like, what's going on? Did they think it was about, you know, being upset or something? But if you look closely in that picture, there's these, in the rocks, there's these little birds that have found this little, it's kind of like a, a little crevice in the rock and there's this nest and everything else is crashing around and going on outside them. And within the rocks, there's these little birds tucked away. And they're just nestled in each other. And they're completely at peace. Brothers and sisters, this is the peace that we have in Christ Jesus. I believe that. And I'm receiving more and more of it. As I look to Jesus and I see it, I say, thank you, Lord. And as you do that, you will receive it as well. So peace does not come so much from our circumstances, but is more what is happening on the inside. I was in contact with someone recently and they were saying, oh, I'm up at such and such a beach. I've just been surfing. They were on holiday and, you know, talking about, you know, they're on holiday, surfing, such and such a beach, you know, and surfing in the afternoon and just really enjoying it. And they said, life is good in the end. And I was reflecting on that and I was thinking, yeah, but I want to be able to say life is good when the storms are raging. It is well with my soul. Even so, it is well with my soul. That is the peace that we have in Christ Jesus. I want to paint, I uh, give you two illustrations from two different people's lives of this piece. One is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a, a German man who uh, is a brother of ours, has fallen asleep in the Lord. And uh, he was in the time of uh, Nazi Germany and was uh, resisting uh, Hitler and the Nazis. Um, and uh, he was hung to death for his resistance um, in a camp in Flossenburg. It was two weeks before um, Germany um, gave way to the Allies. And a doctor who observed Dietrich Bonhoeffer's death said this, in the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, 
I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. This man, he must have seen, I was thinking about it, thousands, probably even tens of thousands of people die. And when he saw Dietrich Bonhoeffer die, he was hung there. He said, I've never seen someone, out of all the people I've seen die, and it has been many, die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Do you know what happened? The peace that was in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's heart and life and mind was so powerful that that doctor was impacted. That's the peace that we have received from God. That. Doesn't your holiday pale into insignificance? Let me give you another example of a man. This man you know well, but you've never met him physically. It's Jesus Christ. I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 60. And again, you think about that image of the doves, these, these birds in the storm. Anyone can be in the idyllic harbour or by the, you know, the deers in the meadow, but it's when the storm hits. That's what separates the peace that is from God versus the peace that is from man. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 60 to 61, I'll read. And uh, Jesus is uh, basically being on trial before the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish um, leadership and eldership. And um, uh, they're bringing all these accusations against Jesus. Okay? And these are weighty accusations. And these are things Jesus knows what they're angling towards. He's already predicted his death on several occasions in the lead up to this. He knows what they're aiming at. He knows the consequences of this situation. It says this in verse 6, The high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Does that astound you? Turn over the page to chapter 15. I'll read from verse 3 to 5. The stakes are much higher now. Here's before Pilate. The Sanhedrin have condemned him as worthy of death. And they take him to Pilate to work towards that death verdict. So this is Mark 15, 3 to 5. And here's again, the Jews have been accusing him in front of Pilate and bringing all these accusations. Um, verse 3, the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. Numerous. But Jesus made no further answer. Again, note the impact of the peace. So the pilot was amazed. This peace, it does something. It touches not only the person who has received this peace, but it impacts other people. It amazes, it stuns. Out of tens of thousands of people that that doctor observed, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a standout because of the peace that he had received. This peace is available to us. Let me ask you a very important question. Do you believe that? You need to answer that question in your heart and bring it before the Lord. Do you believe that that peace that Jesus Christ had, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer has exhibited to us, do you believe that God has made that available to you? Do you desire it? I want to speak a word into that. 
question, do you believe that it's available? And it's not my word. It's the word of our Lord. This is from John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. The storms will come. They're going to hit. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Do you believe it? Answer that question before the Lord. And do you desire this peace? Of course, everyone would desire that kind of peace. A peace that is steady, calm and still in the face of death. That is from God. It is not from man. As I was looking into this, um, I was considering how do we go about obtaining this peace? And that question that I asked, do you believe it, is a very important question. Continue to answer that, answer that question. But something else sprang out to me as I was looking into this and um, was from Psalm 85, and it was such a strange picture to me. I'd, I'd never sort of considered it. Um, I'll just get there um, now. Psalm 85, verse 10. And you get what I mean by strange. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness and peace kiss each other. Is that strange? I felt it was strange. I was like, but it's in the Bible. I believe it. Okay, what's going on here? When I kiss someone, that is telling you that I have a very intimate relationship with that person. You know that you don't see me go around kissing all the people here. You don't kiss me back. I kiss my wife. She kisses me. I have a very intimate relationship with her. Peace and righteousness have a very intimate relationship, brothers and sisters. And we see this in the scripture. In Hebrews, it talks about Melchizedek, who is the king of peace and the prince of right of um, sorry, king of righteousness and prince of peace. And talks about that in Hebrews seven verse two. And you see those two things. Peace and righteousness there in his life. You see it in James as well. It talks about sowing in peace to yield a harvest of righteousness. Do you desire to be a righteous person? Because I tell you this, if you do not desire to be a righteous person, then your peace will hit the ceiling of that desire. Because according to how much you desire to be righteous is how much you're able to be at peace. It's so easy to desire something good like peace, but righteousness can sound so holier than thou. (laughs) You don't want to be like that. But if you want peace, you need to pursue righteousness. You cannot have one without the other. I want to give you three things that I've been through to illustrate this point. I want to illustrate it in regards to having peace with God and peace with ourselves and with others. And how when we walk in righteousness, peace follows in that. It's a natural, they walk side by side, they have an intimate relationship, they kiss each other. Um, I was in Liberia, it would have been about 2010, and I was there with the ship, uh, the Logos Hope. And um, so I was there making preparations um, for the ship to come, and I met a, a man named Pastor Togba, and uh, he was a wonderful brother in the Lord. Um, 
And we were doing some stuff on the radio. We'd been uh, uh, to promote the visit of the ship. And uh, we had one radio interview, and we were going in for another. And the first radio interview, this radio station had given it to us free of charge. And so we were going into this second radio interview. Um, we hadn't clarified this at all, but we were going in on the understanding that, okay, they'll give it free of charge as well. Anyway, we did the interview, came out, and um, the guy who was, um, yeah, um, managing the station at that point said, all right, you guys need, now need to pay. And we said, I said, oh, I didn't realise, you know, that we were, you know, having to pay for this um, radio interview. He said, no, no, you have to pay. And I was like, oh, but I'm sorry, I didn't realise, you know, we needed to communicate about this beforehand. And, um, and Pastor Tog was with me, he's like, yeah, no, that's not right. And because um, we were under this understanding. Anyway, so we had a bit of back and forth and he took it then to his senior manager and the senior manager said, no, you have to pay. And I was like, oh, you know, what, what can I do? And I thought about it, I'm like, Liberia is a country that has great need, okay? It's in Western Africa, it's had uh, several years of civil war, a decade. And they have great need, so I was like, well, it's better that this money stays here in this country than it stays with the ship. Okay, I, I'm being won over. I'll just sort of give in and do that. But I tell you what, I learned something that day, and it was from my brother, who was more mature than me in the Lord, and he said, no, nah, we're not giving in to this. And he, he took issue with the guy and said, no, we were under the understanding that this was not um, to be charged and that we were going to receive this for free. And I was, I was starting to get embarrassed, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're like, this guy's really going for it, you know. And I was starting to shrink back and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm finding it hard to come and be, you know, there with you and argue with you. I, I, I want to, but I'm feeling so embarrassed. But he just stuck to his guns. It ended up winning, going to the person who owned the whole radio station. And she made the final verdict and she said, no, it's right, we're going to give it to you free of charge. What has happened has been wrong and there's been deceit in how you came under one understanding and you were basically deceived. And you know what I realised? That Pastor Togba, he left a greater gift than what my money was going to leave. And that was a changed life. It was confronting sin. It was saying, no, that was wrong. It was wrong to say, to, to agree with how we had been... Um, misunderstood and deceived in that situation. And the thing about peace is this, is that so often, and I, in my flesh, am like this, so often I try and make peace with people. But with peace, brothers and sisters, the most important direction that peace goes is toward God. If you seek to make peace with people first and you don't seek to make it with God, you won't be able to walk in peace. Because what's going to happen is you're going to make peace with something that is not a peaceful thing. It might be sin, might be a work of Satan, it could be anything. But if it's not from God, what is it that you're making peace with in the other person? I want to illustrate this with another story. Um, when I was in high school, I was much weaker in my faith at that point. I was growing spiritually and um, I had wanted to be in with my group of friends and, and to relate to them and be a part with them. But they were swearing and they were um, picking on others and making fun of them. And I, I just wanted so bad to be a part of that group. So you know what I did? I made peace with swearing. I made peace with making fun of people, which is, of course, no peace at all. That's a counterfeit peace. That's not a true peace that's from God. You can see that. And so as I've matured in my faith, I've come to a place where I've had 
challenging situations with people relationally. And I've even had someone say to me, they said, Oliver, you know, in order to rectify this relationship, you're going to have to stop being so good because your goodness is preventing them from coming to you relationally. You know what I did? I rejected that. I don't believe God wants me to stop. And you see this again, righteousness. God does not want me to stop a pursuit of righteousness for the sake of making peace. And if I had pursued that advice, what would I have been making peace with? I don't want for that person anything less than God's best for them. And if I make peace with them, so by being a little bit less good, (laughs) not being holier than thou, then what am I making peace with? That person is not going to receive the very best that they can from God through my life. I don't want a bar of it. It's so important that we make peace with God first before we make peace with men. Making peace with God, if we truly pursue peace with God, then we will be at peace with men. And I want to read to you a passage that has, and this is no understatement, changed my life. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says this, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And the words, so far as it depends on you, have been so powerful for me. What that has helped me to see is that it's not my responsibility to make a decision for someone who is not living at peace with me. I can't make that decision for them. And sometimes when we're trying so much to pursue a peace with a particular individual or person, we're trying to help them and take on the responsibility that is actually theirs and make that decision for them. The scripture says, so far as it depends on you. That's what you can do. You have control over your decision, over your life, over what you are doing in the relationship. Therefore, so far as it depends on you, live at peace. And in that, you'll be living at peace with God and you'll know, I can do nothing else to live more at peace with you. The decision is entirely up to you now. I've done all that I can. But so often what we do is when we are at enmity with someone, we have an issue, there's a challenge we're going through, a relational struggle, we start saying, you know, you're holding back, forgiving me, and you have hurt me so badly. Therefore, I'm not going to forgive you because I've been hurt less than, (laughs) I've hurt you less than what you've hurt me. And we hold back our forgiveness. Am I walking in peace as God wants at that point? It's so clear, absolutely not. I withhold my little part of forgiveness because they're not giving me their big part of forgiveness. No, it's to say, whether you give me your big part of forgiveness or not, what you've wronged me is far greater than what I've wronged you. Doesn't matter. I've wronged you, therefore I give you that forgiveness. As far as it depends on you, brothers and sisters, do that. And you will walk in peace with full and full measure. And this is what I've realised, is that peace does not necessarily start in our heart and mind, but it starts with how we act. And from our actions, then it comes into our minds and our hearts. And then peace enters. It's not something that we can conjure up from within. We can say, okay, I'm going to have a peaceful day today. (sighs) And walk through the day, you know. (laughs) No. You've got to act in peace. You've got to forgive everything that you've got against someone else, no matter how small it is, and no matter how little they've forgiven you or how little they've hurt you, you've got to live at peace as far as it depends on you. And if you act in that, that's walking in peace with God first. And you can say, yes, I walk in peace with everyone then, as far as it depends on me. (laughs) 
I can't do anything else. There might be people who have things against me, but I can't do anything about that. That is their decision. And you have to release yourself of that responsibility. A lifestyle of peace produces hearts and minds at peace. Let me illustrate this to you um, from a passage that's very well known about peace. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've heard, and for the longest time I was doing this as well, I was quoting this passage and going straight to verse 7. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You have to do something in order to receive that. And what you have to do is in verse 6. Do not be anxious. In everything, with prayer and supplication, present your request to God with thanksgiving. And then... After you act, again, as we walk in righteousness, peace accompanies that. There is an accompaniment of righteousness with peace. And what I've also realised in this passage, which you wouldn't really expect about peace, but you know what? Peace protects. It guards. Peace has an aggression about it. If I have peace in my life, right, I'm walking in those actions. And then something comes to me and, I, and it's like, Oliver, you need to make peace with this. And I think, actually, if I you know, let that enter my life, that's going to disrupt my peace. And the peace that is already within me you know, to personify peace is like, no, the guard goes up. I don't want that to come in. That's going to disturb the peace that Oliver has in Christ Jesus. There is a protection. And as we walk in greater and greater peace, we realise, no, I'm not going to let that come into my life. I'm not going to let that anxious thought, I'm not going to let um, walk in peace with that person in that way because as I do that, that's going to make me swear, that's going to make me pick on others. That's going to disturb the peace within. But peace, as we have it within us, it guards our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. That is a beautiful thing. And I want to wrap this all together by going back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Jesus Christ that this is the peace that these men had from God. They had this peace from God. And therefore, when Jesus was being accused by all these men in the Sanhedrin, he knew he lived at at peace, Sorry, as far as it depended upon him. There was nothing else he could do. He knew that. He was walking in peace. If there's nothing else I can do, why should I say anything to their accusations against me? That will avail nothing. What needs to happen is a change in their lives. I'm at peace here. I can be accused to the point of death and even die and walk in peace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, peace with God. He wrestled with the Lord and he sought as best he could to be at peace with God and at peace with men. And he's like, it's out of my hands. I can't do anything to avoid my death right now. And I'm comfortable, I'm at peace with the decisions that I've made before you, God, and I'm peace in this place. That is powerful, and that is from God. And if you desire it, if you seek it, you'll find it. I believe that. You can have that peace. You can have that peace. Let me pray.
Lord God, I just sense that there's almost a need for repentance around Christmas time, that we have laid hold of traditions that are good traditions, Lord, but they have become greater than the wonderful things that you have given us in Christ Jesus, Lord. And Father, if there are things in our hearts right now, and you know each one of us, I don't need to know, Lord, between each of us and your Holy Spirit, if there are things in our hearts where we at this time of year have been upholding the decorations or the holiday that we're looking for or the time with family or just being away from work and we have upheld that as a greater and more precious thing than what you've given us in Christ Jesus, Lord, then I ask that by your Holy Spirit that we might repent and turn from that. And we might look to you, Lord Jesus, and what you've done, and we might see the blessedness and the preciousness of the Son of God. And that we would receive with whole and eager hearts what you've already done for us in Christ Jesus, the peace that passes understanding. That we have been justified with God, therefore we have peace with God through Christ Jesus, Lord. It is ours. Yet, Lord, if there's things that we're needing to let go of in order to receive this peace, Lord, you know that when we hold on to something, it means that we're rejecting something else. And Holy Spirit, if there's something that there is in anyone here that you want to highlight to them right now, I thank you that you will do that. That you will highlight to them, to my brother or sister, what they need to let go of in order that they might receive the peace which is from heaven, from above, that does not come from hand. And Lord, we just want to thank you that you have given us that in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.